Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is in conversation with Dr. K. DeRay Raj, facial plastic surgeon and founder of Beauty by Dr. K. Welcome, third annual, which is now becoming a traditional podcast with Dr. K at MSS, Dr. K. DeRay Raj. Did I pronounce that right? Perfect. It took me a while to get there. It's only there. taken three years. Three years, and, I, <laughs> and I've got it. Um, but yeah, this is this is cool. How are you? What's going on? What's the latest? I'm doing great. I am loving being in aesthetics, and I want to tell you, Alex, this AM Spa meeting is incredible. The level of energy, the vibe. I think it's one of my favorite meetings of the year. That's I. Thank you for saying that. Um, I wish I could say that had to do with me. It's just the people that are here though. Like really it's every time I come to, to this meeting, which obviously we're hosting, um, it's just, it's amazing because the vibe is so cool, but it's just because of all the people that are here. They're like, they all are so excited and nice and helpful. And it's a, it's a different kind of thing. So it's, I appreciate you saying that. And you've been to all the surgery meetings as well. So how, how do they compare? Like just not looking for, you know, better or worse. I'm just curious what the, what the comparison is. I think because we have so many people who are new to aesthetics and joining, yeah. there's that interest in being innovative. Everybody's curious and willing to try, even though yeah. they maybe don't know how hard it is to keep a business going and they don't have all the background and learning yeah. the business expertise is so important. So I feel like we get taught that at AMSPA, how yeah. to run the business end of things. Yeah. Whereas in the medical meetings, the plastic surgery meetings, it's more about techniques it's technique driven results mm -hmm. driven which is so important to what we do yeah, for sure but you have to first and foremost get a patient in your chair like yeah. market get the patient yeah. and secondly keep them retain yeah. the patient and then thirdly like you know have increased return revenues yeah. so i think it all goes hand in hand yeah so um this is 2023 for reference for someone who's listening to this in like 2027 they're going to listen to this and be like when was this um What's like? What's the latest with you? You're and just to get everyone caught up, and please go back and listen to our prior podcast because they're awesome. Um, facial plastic surgeon, but you're also in a, an amazing injector, a, a trainer. What have you been up to for the last year? <laughs> well, it's been really busy. I'm in Pasadena, Los Angeles, California, yeah. and I did train in faces, facial plastic surgery. I feel like my Instagram page has really made me popular, yeah. and TikTok as well. So this year, I've been working on my course, Modern Aesthetic Theory and Artistry which yep. teaches a lot of off-label advanced techniques yep. and lecturing around the world, developing a skincare line, yeah. really doing a lot of work on biostimulatory treatments. Okay. I yeah. think since we have been so exposed to hyaluronic gels and the fillers that there's been a little bit of overfilling and time mm -hmm. to pull back on that and teach people how to build foundation of the face and mm -hmm. long-term beauty mm -hmm. and solutions where patients are not fearing filler. Mm-hmm. Filler fear. Yes, I think that's a very real thing. Um, I see, I see some people that I'm just like, oh man, you should not maybe be filled quite so much. But again, it's all in the eye of the beholder, right? So, what's I mean? How do you do that? I mean, there, there it's. I, I guess what I'm saying is, there's, there's. I feel like there is an aesthetic out there that for whatever reason people like to look that way in a certain in a certain fashion. I don't don't quite understand that. 
Um, how do we pull back from that? Like, how do you convey that and get that started? I think teaching people not to follow trends and to just mm. look for classic ideal beauty is best. And while that may be very European in concept, it's now evolving so that the definition of classic beauty can apply to any gender, any sexuality, any ethnicity. Mm -hmm. So I think more individualized micro treatments is the way to go because mm -hmm. we're realizing that fillers last longer than we knew. You know, MRI studies now show filler can last four to seven years in the face. Really? Yes, and become encapsulated and exist for very long periods of time. So mm. we're before, we're telling people to get your filler once a year, get your lips mm. done. Now everyone is taking a little step back to say, like, do I really need it? Mm -hmm. Adding it when I do and just waiting to see changes before augmenting. Mm -hmm. But I like the idea. I like what you said, too. Like, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Like, yeah. we need to teach injectors, too that um, the sausagey, bloated, puffy filler face look is not desirable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it's, makes everyone scared when the Academy Awards goes on and you're, everyone uniformly oh, goes man. like, what did she do to her face? It's yeah, terrifying. I know. I just, I don't understand that. Um, so, I mean, MSS, like what, uh, I mean, and I, I, we've come here now for the last few years. We'd love to have you involved more. What's your, what's your favorite part? And before you answer, we haven't had the party yet. The party is tonight, and that's going to be off the chain, and I understand that's going to be your favorite part, of course. But yes. up until now, what are you enjoying the most? Well, I loved last year's 80s party, by the way, at the Medical that Spa Show. They awesome. know how to throw some good parties here at the we MSS. Don't, we don't mess around, I'm telling <laughs> you. But I think the best part is like really innovating and pushing the industry to think about the pressing issues. Like today you had me on a diversity panel mm -hmm. and it really made me stop and think about like how we've just taken what we've been given by industry and started with that. And now the audience and the members of the aesthetic societies, we hold the cards. We mm -hmm. need to push industry to perform at the level we're thinking where yeah. they need to be yeah. more diverse, include more women, include more, you know, mentoring to minorities. And yeah, it was, that was an interesting panel, um, this morning. And it, every time I I've talked with all of you about diversity and aesthetics, it gets me thinking and it's not, it's never for the reasons that I thought. I mean, it's, it's, and, and by the way, I've had several people come up to me already and say, thank you for doing this. This is great. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a sensitive topic, but it's also, to me, it's such a, a no-brainer. Like, we should be talking about this because the market out there is huge. Like, we need to serve the people that need and want the treatments. Yes, like, why are we not bringing more economic diversity into our offices? Not yes. just, you know, for, of course, for ethical, social, philosophical reasons, right. but also just as a business person, why would you limit yourself to only one sector of the economy? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I that's... Exactly right. And I think part of it, and, and I think it was Dr. Okoro had kind of called on us, like we, like we don't necessarily have the economic data to show to the companies that are really going to drive that change, the manufacturers to say, hey, here's what you could be making if you were focused on this. But I'm curious, you live in, in Southern California. Um, you have a very diverse population base. What, like what, how do you, like what do you think the opportunity is out there, whether it's for um, 
African-American women, people of color, whatever, transgender. Like, I, I feel like it's massive, but I have no way to quantify it. I think it's massive, too. Just the idea of even bringing more men into the practice. Yeah. Just yeah. We are a minority. The, you guys are really underserved. And only this one, only this one thing in life. <laughs> <laughs> but everything else, yeah, that's not true. so much. But um, I've even thought about, like, what can I do? Can I mm-hmm. put some of my Instagram posts in Spanish? I speak Spanish. And every time I do something fun and Instagramming in Spanish, I get a lot of great comments. Yeah. And I want to start using maybe hashtags that are more appropriate that will draw people in. Yeah. And I would maybe need to teach that on social media. We brought up a point that like everyone yeah. does what's comfortable because they're scared to offend anybody. Yeah. And on the panel, when George Baxter Holder said something about, you know, you can use hashtag gay, but you can't use hashtag queer, then right. that really confused me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the other, the it was Shannon and Crystal said one doesn't mind being called black and the other did and she wants to be called african-american and at that point i was like i i, I was i don't know that's what to like do. playing with fire so yeah, that makes everybody want to just stick with something they can't offend yeah. with and yeah. then nothing changes because we haven't right. tried to push the envelope yeah and, and and their point which i think was well taken is that you know you have to ask mm-hmm. and then the other thing is you have to ask and and I, in some ways you have to be willing to take a risk and mm-hmm. you know, i think everyone knows if your intentions are true, right? So if I were to ask um, someone like Shannon or Crystal about, um, you know, I addressed them in the wrong way, but, but clearly I didn't know, I'm, I would be mortified, but I, th- I don't know that they would care. They would simply say, this is how I prefer it, and it would be fine. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. That's or my, maybe that's we should hope. preface by saying, how do you prefer yeah. to be, how do you prefer to address this issue? But it cer- certainly makes you have to talk more. It's not as easy. Yeah. It's a pain point. But Because the, the, it's almost like every issue you have to then say, well, like you have to, before you start talking, you have to say, how do you prefer to talk about this particular issue? And it's just, it's almost, it's enough to get your mind in a pretzel. I think it's a, it's a great thing that we're doing, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, it gave it's me ideas to do yeah. a whole social media training on like culturally appropriate ways to yeah. encompass more audience. Yeah. I think that would be a great lecture topic I think for that next would be. year. That's awesome. You, you're on, you got it. <laughs> what, what's, uh, what is your patient base like? Like what, do you know what demographically I, it is? I do actually like 80 to 90% women, 15%, about 15% men. Okay. And then, um, I would say probably about 40% Caucasian, 20% about Asian, Maybe 10% African American and okay. and other like that's very diverse Indian and etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and we um, see a lot of diversity, but not everybody wants to be represented in a video. So yes, that's the other problem. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I also think if you're in an underrepresented group and you want your representation, like show up to the table, be there, and donate your video to you know yeah. like allow it to be seen, allow your experience to be mm-hmm. shared and culturally we have to break down stigma too like in asian culture everybody wants botox but they're not all talking about getting it done when i go Mm -hmm. to parties all the indian aunties are like secretly wanting to come up and ask me questions but like yes you know (laughs) but you know that's that's interesting because um and and uh shannon i think uh, shannon and crystal mentioned something similar like there's just not they're, they, for whatever reason, the education on what it does hasn't filtered yet or infiltrated that, you know, how they or in their, their community hears it. That's so interesting though. So you actually have people who maybe would do it, but just either don't want anyone to know, or they think it's taboo or whatever. It's still, which is bizarre. Cause that's not bizarre. It's different. I mean, now that's 
everything is, is out in the open now, it seems like. Yeah, and I'm so grateful to work with some very popular actresses who are African-American who are mm. totally willing to come on my page and have their Botox. And so, like, when yeah. there's stigma, which um, two of the African-American ladies said on stage today that the black people sometimes don't want to get Botox. They're like, I don't want that in my face. Yeah. So I don't want that poison. So, like, breaking that stigma, like, it's not poison. It looks great. Everybody's doing it. Here yeah. I am. I'm showing my face. Like, that's that's what we have to do to break down those barriers. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I love it. So what else? Well, what, else what are you doing to innovate? I love how you think a couple years ahead. I was thinking of you the other day. I'm thinking, like. Tell me more. You know how you have a passion to create quality teaching for people mm -hmm. of all levels. Every state has different qualifications. Mm -hmm. But the idea of accrediting injectors so that the general public has like a stamp of approval yep. to to know that they're seeing someone with training and quality. Yeah, it's um, it's a huge issue and one that absolutely should be tackled. And I think we're pretty well positioned to try to do it. It's just there is so much involved in that. Um, but I, it's def. I mean, I agree. I mean, I think how easy or how much better would it be if there was some sort of consistent minimum qualification that an injector had to have before they could do treatment acts, right? And that would not only give the the providers confidence, it would give the public confidence. And then it's just, you know, having dabbled in the issue a little bit, we know that it pushes a lot of buttons um, because there's different, you know, there's different practice groups like, you know, estheticians, for instance. In Texas, there's a lot of estheticians who inject. Um, and that's scary. It, 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 Sorry, it I'm going to just say it. That's scary. It is. Yes. Uh, and, and that's not our position. Uh, we think that, that, that you, sh you have, should be at least an RN or above and be, and be properly trained. Some people don't even believe that RN should do it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I agree with you. I think we need, to, we need to move in that direction. And I, I think most people are, are, are willing Mm -hmm. to do it. I think there's a, a very loud and boisterous minority who would put up a fight over it. But um, I think most people would, would, would support that. What do you think? I think so. I think the, the average, like very conscientious human being would want to be trained before they go and administer a toxin to your face yeah. or give you an injection. Like it's yeah. a very um, difficult thing to take a needle to someone's face and change their appearance and be responsible for their beauty. So if you're not a person who wants a little bit of training, then I'm scared of you. <laughs> and so I think that everyone really does want to be the very best and the most artistic and qualified yeah. safe injector. And so to give them the tools, one of the big problems is every state is different. All the rules are different. The, their tools don't exist. Like this last year, you guys mm -hmm. have built this injection academy, which mm -hmm. is a beautiful training system. Yeah. And I think if people had the ability to enroll, take the classes, do the steps, they would do it. Yeah, I think they would too. Um, and one of the things that I've seen, because we do um, Academy for Injection Anatomy, and I'll go to some of these courses and just watch when they're teaching, um, you know, side effects and complications are not necessarily common, but they do happen. And it's always interesting. There's always in, in, in the course uh, when, when the, the students are dissecting down into a cadaver head after, after injecting, somebody invariably hits a vessel. Like mm -hmm. it, it happens. And 
those, those things happen, whether you're the most highly trained surgeon in the world or you're not. And those are the kinds of things that keep me up. Cause like if, if you had someone who's not trained, who does that, and there's a, a really, there's an occlusion or whatever, it's a really bad outcome that could hurt the whole industry. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm a very experienced injector. I probably have more than 30,000 hours of injecting and I can tell you that feeling, like if you haven't had an occlusion yet as an injector, you just haven't injected enough. You will have an occlusion. And the first time you do is the worst feeling in the world. Your heart absolutely sinks. You you just, all the blood rushes out of you and you just can't, it's just a terrifying feeling. So to be equipped with the training, to know how to reverse it, to catch it, to treat it, to walk a patient through it, it's really a harrowing experience. So you, you, do you remember your first? Oh occlusion? yes, very vividly, very vividly. Really? Yeah, and then I'm so grateful to have a network of people that I could reach out to, some of my yeah. mentors to get advice, to have send pictures, and I luckily am very up to date on the research and know mm-hmm. all the major treatment protocols. But I'm telling you, when you get an occlusion. There's no one available. It's always like five o'clock on a Friday and you call the companies yeah. and the industry, the industry nurse on call is like not available on vacation. <laughs> so you're on, you're stranded and alone. Mm-hmm. So don't put yourself in that position. If you're an injector, build your little support network, take your classes, have your emergency rescue drugs in your office mm-hmm. and plan for it to happen. It will happen. Yeah. That's like you gotta have your earthquake safety kits. That's, <laughs> that's, it's just, that's, that, it makes me nervous, but I, you're right. I mean, if you know how to deal with it. You know, you should be able to deal with it. Um, I was imagining um, talking to someone today about making an NFT. Like if you took our training course, you have a non-fungible token created yeah. that shows like no matter where you are, whatever state you're in, here's your accreditation, here's your training. That would be a way to prove Every it Every time sure. you go to a conference or a meeting, you get, you know, another one of these yeah. NFTs added to your virtual badge of... Yeah. yeah, there yeah. are there are virtual. I've seen, people have emailed me about. Do you want virtual certificate or virtual badge? That's how you do it. I like yeah, it. I, I like it. it. I think that's like next gen. Yeah. What about I, AI? Tell me what do you think about AI and I'm, aesthetics? I I mean I don't. First of all, I'm not super familiar with the specifics. Um, like what like what are you seeing as far as what it's being used for? I've seen it a lot in design and things like that. But like, wh- how is it being used in aesthetics? Well, the other day I went to chat GPT and typed in a query. I was like, write me a four paragraph blog post on the importance of facial fat and aging. And I was freaking shocked that in 30 seconds it wrote like a college level essay. No way. Yes. Four paragraphs, beautifully written and factually accurate with a conclusion and an intro statement, everything. Anyway, it was beautiful. And, um, the, the ability to generate content it's not plagiarized and hopefully yeah. it's fairly accurate is going to be pretty life-changing for a lot of people who make content regularly like myself. So for that, I get that. So to yeah. developing content and is, imagery, is primary, like, yeah. you know, the, the chat GPT yeah. is going to have an engine where you can say, I want to see four images of before and after example, yeah. lip filler. And yeah. so maybe I don't, if I can't find a patient, it's going to generate an image for me or mm-hmm. and are you, kind of thing. Have you used it for content purposes, like actually published with it? I mean, I don't I even mean, know. I've done the, I've written the and saved the blog post, but yeah. I haven't used it yet because I'm, I'm, I'm sort of into writing my own things, yeah. but I could crazy. definitely so it, see like... I actually had Chat GPT write me some podcast questions for an interview I was doing on antioxidants. So it's like really, really awesome, you know. Like, you, honestly, I've I've heard it. I've never done it. I've never gone to. Oh Chat my GPT god, you got to try it tonight. You I log will. into their website. It just takes a few minutes to yeah. get a spot. 
Just type a query and you'll be shocked. Really? It's so cool. But I envisioned, you know, like some of the, I bought an imaging system, Quantificare, this year, which has three-dimensional analysis, takes a picture, rotates the body 360, turns it upside down, turns it into claymation, and the ability to show people what's potentially possible, but Mm. also to analyze, like from my treatment, I was able to change your nasal projection, you know, from this many degrees to 120 degrees, or Mm -hmm. I had added this much volume to your temples, improving your jowl by this percentage, like to Mm -hmm. really quantify what we do, because a lot of what we do, it's not quantifiable. Yeah. So I think bringing more data into our field. I think that is awesome and really cool to be able to, to accurately project what someone is going to look like because that's part of the fear of getting injections and getting fillers is you don't you don't want to look different right you want to look like yourself just better and I think people get a little bit nervous about that so to, ha- to be able to have a program that can do that I think would be really really helpful to a practice definitely yeah are you still do do you ever do surgery still I do. I operate one day a week. One day a week? Yeah. I don't advertise it on my Instagram because patients' expectations and reality are like very different these days with Instagram craziness and the drive for beauty yeah. perfectionism. I just really like to be selective and just choose the people I want to operate on. Okay. So I'm lucky to be in that position where yeah, that's, I do that. That's. Do you still enjoy doing that? I love surgery. Do you? I love a good operating room day. But um, I'm also really enjoying this aspect of developing, like, the teaching base. I think yeah. it's like like you have a passion to teach and bring this field. I want to democratize beauty for everyone so that anyone who wants to be a great injector can have the tools. Mm-hmm. And so I love the idea of building my online platform. And I'm, yeah. I'm using um, a lot of great skincare products right now. We have a skincare line that has, like, 15 different SKUs. So developing kind of the next generation of how I want to um, yeah. create passive revenue is important that's, too. That's awesome. Now, what um, I mean, you're you're a celebrity in your own right, and you know you've been you've been busting your ass for a long time to build your practice and your image. I mean, what's like? It, it, are you slowly going to transition away from ever doing actual medical procedures and start working just on more of the education and things? Or are you going to continue? Yeah, I'm going to come treat? work with you. I'm well, going to be hey, advisory board level. Hired. Oh my gosh. How fun would that be? <laughs> I would love it. We could it. build an empire. I, I love mean, the idea. I but think we should do it. Yeah. I was thinking of like, what's a good exit plan or retirement plan? Mm-hmm. How to actually, I'm not ready to retire, but how yeah. to clone myself since yeah. I built this huge platform. Yeah. And so much venture capitalism is going on in our mm-hmm. industry right now it's where crazy. there's the money is the money is the flowing in. And I have like four people that are interviewing with me today and just mm-hmm. chatting about their I was, was going to ask you, like, what's good advice in terms of should we buy into this venture capitalism coming to run our practices and take over? Um, it's I think you have to be very, very careful. And it depends for some people. It's the perfect thing at the perfect time. You know, it just depends on you. I know what what's happened in the last couple of years is number one, the industry and the market of med spas has matured enough where there's been there's been businesses that are able to be purchased or built or grown. But the other thing is we've seen because now we're I mean, Amspa is ten years old. There's some of these owners like yourself um, who have been running a practice for a long time. You're successful. Um, and you're kind of, you're kind of tired and ready for the next, you know, the next chapter, whatever that might be. doesn't mean you want to retire. 
Um, and I think in that situation, you have to start thinking how, like, what are you, what is the next step? What are you going to do? How are you going to get there? And I think it's, it's a legitimate question. And I think what's good about what's going on right now with all the, the, the money flowing in is that there's, there's options Mm -hmm. and there really are, there's all kinds of different options. I would just say, you have to be so careful, take your time. Mm-hmm. Don't rush into research yeah. and, and just just let it happen when it happens and when you're ready. Because I think part of what I'm seeing now, which makes me a little nervous, is there's such this rush of of these these big they're not even the biggest money private equity groups in the world. They're kind of middle market private equity groups. But they're starting these platforms that are starting to buy up med spas. And I think people are getting a little bit of a fever pitch saying, oh, I need, to, I need to do this now, I need to sell, I need to sell. And there's this rush to try to sell to them because they feel like they're gonna miss. Yeah. And I don't think that's true. I think, I think there's gonna be ample opportunity and you just need to, to, to do what's best for you. And for you, I mean, you have, you, you have, do you have one, lo- you have multiple locations or just one? I have two right two, now. Two, but is it, One main one. One main one, and are they primarily, um, is, is primarily non-surgical? Um, it's mainly, I think 80% non-surgical Non-surgical, right now, 20% one day a week surgery. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's people buying up surgery practices now too, which is, which is, we've never really seen before. Yeah. Um, We have, but it's just not. I mean, I'm a bit of a control freak. So the idea of giving away something I've worked so hard to build is a little hard to imagine. Like if I'm going to franchise something with my branding, maybe it should be run by me. So it has my quality control. That's a huge huge (laughs) issue. It is. It's a scary thing, right? But I'm also, like you said, at a stage in life where I want to do, I want to have a little more time and freedom. Time freedom. You just turned 25. I did. I'm staying 39 (laughs) forever. (laughs) Time freedom. It is. Time freedom. Time freedom. Because we, you know, I have fortunately done well and I have enough, I have a house, I have a car, my kids have gone through school. So now I get to focus on myself and I have to really find that I want to spend more time doing like really mm-hmm. creative, enjoyable, fun pursuits. At least some mm-hmm. of my time should go to that. Yeah, all yeah. of your time. All of our time, right? Like you work so hard, you get on this treadmill of creating success and financial and money. It's not mm-hmm. all about money. It's You, you need mm-hmm. money in order to buy time, in yeah. order to have the freedom to do the things that really make you happy. Yes, but the, the conundrum and the, the problem for a lot of people is by the time you're ready to invest your money in buying yourself time, it becomes too late because something happens or whatever. That's right. And then you, you know, get your cancer or you get exactly, like a, a disability or, or, or something. Too, you're, you know, whatever happens. Uh, I'm curious though. One, I was talking to somebody the other day and a very successful business owner. I'm not going to mention who it was, um, but a very, very successful business owner. And we were having a conversation about, um, they said, you know, I've, built this incredible business. I've loved it. I've, it's been my baby for years and I'm kind of ready to be done and to move on to do something else. But they felt stuck because in many ways, the same things you were saying, they, they, they don't trust, um, what would happen to it if they did sell. Mm -hmm. They don't, they, they don't want to leave it in the hands of somebody who's not responsible. And so they, they, their words were like, I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I, I don't feel that way uh, yet, but I, but I bet there's a lot of people who do because it's a, that's a tough position to be. In. Have you ever felt that a little where you just, and stuck is not the right word for everybody, but just like, you know, you want to, you want to be able to move on, but you, you kind of can't because you've got this business and it's I your thing. I think that's why when you're starting your business, you have to really decide if you are the brand. If you build your business around yourself as the brand, 
you really can't retire. You can't go out of town. You can't do very much. When you're not there, everything freezes. Yeah. So, like, if I had to do it over again, I probably would not build me as the only component of the brand because now everybody wants to see me and I have no more time. That's that's hard for a surgeon, though. Yeah. I mean, because you are. You're the skill set. Yeah. It's like you can't have, you know, you can't have an RN injector do surgery. Exactly. um, But that's, I think, why teaching injectables performed with surgical precision is so valuable because mm -hmm. there are, there's injectables and then there's really superior and classy and exquisite injectables. So that's what I'm striving to do. But to your point, like you do reach a a time where you're like, okay, I want a second life. I want to try Mm -hmm. a new project. I have, I want to write a book. I want to write a screenplay. I have all these things I want to (laughs) do. And so, um, I want to give myself freedom, right? (laughs) Yeah. I would love for you to write a screenplay. You should do it. We should something very cool or like a, you know, some kind of reality TV show. I Uh I really don't like the botched theme because it Mm -hmm. shows the ugly aspect of everything in plastics and aesthetics and the distorted body dysmorphia. But I love how we empower people. Like we have a really, Mm -hmm. it's like a girl gang. When people come to the office, they have a great time. We're all become friends. We build up their confidence. We see these transformation stories. So like I love to do a reality TV show that runs on that theme. It would be nice to have like a really positive one that doesn't show the drama. Yes. The the psychological issues and the botching (laughs) and like just like beautiful, nice results where people actually are transformed and actually leave with more confidence. Yeah. Well, and that's what it's, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's the, were you, I don't know if you were there, um, for, um, the operation mend speech last night at the gala. Did you see that? I came in at midnight. Okay. (laughs) So there was, um, his name was Corporal, I want to say Aaron um, Mankin with Operation Men, which is an organization that is like a, a purely donated money and they um, help do surgeries on wounded soldiers. So this oh, nice. guy had been had hit a roadside bomb and he had been burned, horribly disfigured, and he's been through 70 surgeries. And he got up there and started talking about his, his kind of journey. Um, but it's, and the reason I bring this up is that it's, um, he was so grateful just for getting any types of treatments. And part of the corollary was what's great about what we do. And he acknowledged this, even though he's on a totally different level was you make people feel, even if it's a little tweak, you make people feel empowered and better and more confident. And that's, that's the thing that should be celebrated Mm -hmm. in, in this industry is how you do that and how you do it safely as opposed to just, making all the money in the world and all that. I don't know. I mean, exactly. I'm just, no, I totally ideal. feel I the same way. What do you see as red flags in the industry? Like what things do you see us spearing towards where you're like, Oh no, that's going to be bad. Yeah. I mean, there's still many of the same things as always that there's, there's, there's definitely unqualified and untrained providers doing things they shouldn't be doing. And I think that the, one of the things that makes me nervous is the industry is growing so fast and we're so underserved as far as the number of providers. So that means if you're an RN or a PA or whatever, even an MD or emergency room doctor, um, there's an, an allure to come in and start doing this right away. And, you know, you need you need practice and you need training. So that, that's the one thing. But honestly, the, the biggest thing that I see is the the state, the medical boards, and the legislatures in the individual states don't know anything about this industry. And so they're, it's, to them, it's foreign. And so the problem is, is that whenever there's any kind of an issue or there's an introduction of 
um, like, well, let's change something. They, they don't know what to do and they end up doing it completely wrong. So, and to me, that is the, a far bigger issue is like, if there's a, if there were, were to be a, a bad outcome for somebody who was well known in the state of Texas, mm-hmm. there might be an immediate backlash where the medical board and legislature would come in and say, we're going to outlaw anybody but a dermatologist from doing right. injectables. Very reactionary. Very reactionary and very disproportionate. And so I think one of the things that AMSPA has to do and we have to do as an, as an industry is really start mainstreaming the the process and the in the and what what we do as med spas and ensuring that they know that if done safely and done in this particular way it's fine and to your point from before that a great way to do that would be for some sort of a standardization of injections of injection injectors mm-hmm. i think but that's the biggest thing i see and I, I see it happens it's happened in michigan it's happened in new hampshire where Rhode they Island. shut down they, did, they didn't shut it down but there were there were laws that were introduced Mm-hmm. that would have changed the market dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were nonsensical, right? So they didn't like they didn't even address the problem that was happening. They 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 just they just were they were reactionary and it was like, oh we gotta fix this, so we're gonna ban anybody but an RN or a or a NP or a PA from doing anything. So right, right. and it takes kind of including microneedling, including, you know, laser hair removal. And it takes all of this stuff off the the table. And that's not the issue. I mean, the issue is untrained, really, injectors or untrained people who are firing a laser that don't know the settings and they burn somebody. I mean, that's, you just, that's it's all training, really, yeah, yeah. and experience. It definitely is. I think there's room for us to make an accreditation system. And, and you know, if we don't, some state board's going to mandate it without knowledge. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're right. Someone's going to do it. I mean, it's it's just a matter might of time. Might as well be us. It's, it's just, a, it might as well be. <laughs> it scares me a little how everyone has like a medical director who's like, you know, five cities away, who's managing like 20 different med spas. That, I think that trend should be looked at. And it's, it, well, and, and honestly, the, the, the way through that, at least now, is through nurse practitioners and, and PAs. That's, um, when you have that level, that kind of mid-level, which I know a lot of people hate that term, um, that helps. But you're right. I mean, you can't have you can't have a medical director supervising 20 med spots. There's some that supervise 50. I mean, that I see that sense. all the time. And like more often than not, it's like an 80 year old retired physician who's yeah. using their license for like, you know. Yeah. Well, no, and they get they get this is not as big a problem as it used to be, but it still is. Um, they get, you know. Fifteen twenty five hundred dollars a month from each one, and they're like they're, they're happy to get life. it. And yeah. they just use their but license. the problem is, then the patients have a complication. They call mm-hmm. in. There's literally no one who answers the phone at night. They're told by the RN, like, okay, my my advisor told me to send you to the ER. You know, so yeah. my medical director says you have to go to the ER. I'm like, okay, yeah. the ER does not know how to treat a vascular occlusion on a facial filler. Yeah. So then what? Then they then they end up in my office, or, yeah. you know, in some advanced yeah. injector's office, and it's like yeah. definitely going to dampen the field for all of us. Yeah, I agree. Have you used uh, ultrasound? I have. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like that? It's a great tool, but I also think that it's hard to learn in a weekend yeah. course because, for sure. like, I mean, I couldn't. I had twins, and I had a million ultrasounds. I could hardly see the babies, like yeah. let alone a little small occluded blood vessel. Yeah. So I think, like, with a lot of training, like if you're an ultrasound radiologist or you're someone who's going to use this every single day and every single injection and teach yourself in your office, then that's great. Okay. All it's right. definitely a great tool. All right. 
So it's like we got a lot to do, Dr. K. That's right. <laughs> a lot of innovation. <laughs> um, you know what? The, I think the time is 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 right. Um, I think the industry is ready for it. And honestly, like the interestingly, the a lot of the consolidation from private equity and the venture capital that's coming in the money, they often support more regulation than less because to them it makes it, it it makes it easier to control the risk it makes it easier to identify the risk um, so th- I don't think they would be the ones to stop it um, I think it's really um, it's it's the folks who are doing things a little bit fast and loose that are really really loud with their voice mm-hmm. and maybe have influence over um, legis- the legislatures really and that's because it goes the other way too like we could say all right Maybe maybe you need to have a certain qualification in order to be an injector. The minute you say that into a particular state, their, whoever that impacts is going to yell and get their legislator to come in and introduce a bill to prevent that from happening. And now you're fighting this fight in every single state. And mm-hmm. that's, what I, that's the thing that we have to be conscious of. And so the way to do it is, I think, is to, it's like you said before, is to do it more from a, like, uh, more more privately, like this is the industry standard. Right. This isn't a state-based standard. It's an industry standard that we all have agreed upon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that none that, of the societies have even come out with recommendations, whether it's a dermatologic or facial plastic, plastic they surgery. Don't wanna, like, I mean, the, the the there is some from the derms, but it tends to be it tends to be very loose heavily loose. slanted in their favor. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I get, I appreciate that, but. <laughs> um, I don't think it's the reality either. Like they would have, you know, you would, you would have to have, be an MD to do a Botox injection, you know, <laughs> and I don't think that's right either. So there's got to be a balance. Exactly. Yeah. I think that there's so many people who want to learn and get into this field that we all win when we teach great skills. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, this is... Here. Um, this is, this has been awesome and I have no doubt that next year we will talk again, but we should probably have a podcast even before then. Oh my gosh. I'd love to. Yeah. It's really great to expand our thinking and think like even two, three years down the line for sure. Advanced planning for how aesthetics should evolve. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think maybe tomorrow after the party, I should come and do a podcast with you and see how you're feeling. (laughs) (laughs) that's right live from the excess nightclub peeling peeling myself off the carpet (laughs) always great talking to you though as always this is really one of my favorite meetings and you're such a great podcaster you really pull things together (laughs) honestly you know what i love doing it in person like this much better i've been doing them over um zoom and that's great it's just i it's so much better when you're talking to somebody that's we used to right. drink when we, that was the best. <laughs> at that the all, bar. Everything goes out the window. <laughs> I've done plenty of podcasts at the bar. Um, but yeah, this has been great. I appreciate you joining me again. Thanks for having me, Alex. And thanks for having me. Stay beautiful. <laughs> you too. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Dr. K. Raj facial plastic surgeon and founder of Beauty by Dr. K. If you're new with us, click on the subscribe button, then receive new content when it happens. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.